Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? We have Carly on with us, and we're going to talk about adrenals because I was looking back and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never really done a podcast on adrenals. I can't believe that we've come this far and I have not done that. So it is high time to talk about adrenals, especially uh, with the year, couple years I've had. I know Carly's had some um, kind of stressful stuff going on in the last few years too. And if there was any way to, to blow out your adrenals or put them through the ringer, I have done that. <laughs> so I thought, let's talk about the adrenals. What are they? What do they do? How do we, um, how do we optimize adrenal function and why does it even matter? Um, so Carly, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. And hi, everybody. I'm super excited. So glad to be here talking about our amazing, awesome adrenal glands. We love us some alliteration over here. And again, Chelsea already said it, but we have certainly blown our adrenals out. If there is anything (laughs) in, in life that could possibly throw your adrenals out, blow them out. Chelsea and I have accomplished those things in the past couple of years, you know, the school (laughs) curriculum, job stress, family stress, life stress. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, And yeah, the other reason I wanted to have you on and talk about this is is that because we obviously we cover this in our Christian health practitioner program in the School of Health and Nutrition. Um, So we, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a taste of what that's like. Um, We are about to open enrollment for cohort number two. We're so excited about that. We've had so many people um, asking us to open it, open the school again for another round. And that's what we're going to do. And it's going to start in October. So enrollment opens soon. And we will tell you more uh, about the details about that at the end of the podcast if you're interested in learning more. So with that, let's dive in. And as I like to do, I just kind of like to sit back and let you let it rip. So that's pretty much what we're going to (laughs) do. I love that. So elegant sounding. I know, Um, right? But it's it's true. Like if you want a taste of what we're teaching in the CHP program, this is your taste, right? Like this is your sampler. This is, you know, maybe like 10% of the content that we share in the module about adrenals and so we're going to just give you guys enough to not totally overwhelm you a little bit of a taste of drinking from the fire hose (laughs) (laughs) yes and we put this in the the breath module Mm -hmm. um as we're we're so in case people don't know we have formulated the um the christian health practitioner program according to the genesis prescription it's like souped up genesis prescription like you Mm -hmm. like big time. So, but anyway, the adrenals fall under the breath module, which people, uh, our students really enjoyed. I think it surprised them 
how much mm-hmm. they enjoyed this particular module. Um, a lot of surprises in there. So anyway, the adrenals fall under that. And with that, I will let you take it away. What are our adrenal glands? So our adrenal glands, you know, we'll talk about what exactly they are. I think it's a, a term that's kind of tossed around a lot in this functional space, like this nutrition space is, oh, you know, your adrenals could be tanked or you could have adrenal fatigue, right? So what are people even talking about? Let's, let's dial back to that. First of all, why would you care, right? So there's lots of symptoms that are related to our adrenals. So it's a really critical piece of health when we're talking about fatigue, difficulty sleeping, people being tired but wired, um, having salty and sweet cravings, being unable to tolerate having sunlight in their eyes, having weight gain and metabolic dysfunction, brain fog, difficulty with memory and recall, and also chronically low blood pressure. So if any of those things apply to you or somebody that you know, I'm sure that they do, (laughs) you will want to stay tuned to this podcast. So let's back up to what the adrenals are. So the HPA axis is the part of our body that includes our adrenals. So it is the body's central hormonal regulatory system. So the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenals. And so that is kind of the regulation piece of where the adrenals actually come from is that it's actually signaled by our brain. So hypothalamus to pituitary to adrenals. We can't talk about the adrenals without talking about what actually regulates them, right? So before we go any further, this does not only impact our adrenals, this HP axis also impacts our sex hormones. So when we talk about having hormone balance in our testosterone, our estrogen levels, our progesterone, our melatonin, our thyroid hormones, this all starts with proper regulation of this HPA axis. So what we're going to put into the show notes is a hormone hierarchy triangle. And we can think about our hormones as kind of being three tiers. This is like a way better version of the food pyramid. (laughs) Way, way, way better and more accurate, right? So tier one is going to have things like cortisol, which is our adrenal stress hormone, insulin, which is our energy storage hormone, and oxytocin, which is our love and bonding hormone. That's the first tier. And those hormones need to be regulated in order for tier two to work properly. Tier two includes DHEA, which converts into our sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and pregnenolone, which converts into cortisol and DHEA. Then we have tier three, okay, which we have thyroid hormones, melatonin, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. When we talk about adrenals, the reason why they have so many effects is because their regulation or lack thereof dysregulation is going to impact every other hormone after it on that hormone pyramid, that hormone hierarchy. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how the adrenals are actually regulated, what they are, and how you can optimize your own adrenal health. So let's go back to what actually regulates all of this, and that is the hypothalamus. It is the CEO of the body. It's always working to maintain balance or homeostasis in the body's functioning. So homeostasis is just a fancy way of saying balance, and it calls the shots, basically. It's the one that says, okay, so this gland, you do this, this gland, you do that. Okay, everyone's got their orders. We're good. And so the hypothalamus 
regulates body processes, and produces hormones. Then under our CEO, we have our general manager. That's our pituitary gland. The pituitary is the general manager of the body, and that responds to orders from the hypothalamus. So it's more directly involved in the day-to-day operations of the body. It's the one that's going to direct our organs in production of hormones and other functions that they, that they have. So there are two parts. There's the anterior pituitary and the posterior pituitary. The anterior pituitary makes a whole bunch of hormones that are important for growth, development, lactation, and fertility. And it also makes the two hormones that actually activate the thyroid and activate the adrenals. So ACTH activates the adrenals and TSH activates the thyroid. Then posterior pituitary makes vasopressin or vasopressin and oxytocin, both of which are critical in bonding. So with that whole background, that's where our adrenal stimulus comes from, is that ACTH hormone that our hypothalamus tells the pituitary to make, okay? So the adrenal glands themselves are endocrine glands. Endocrine, that word, means that it's producing a hormone. They are located in our back, directly on top of about where our kidneys are. So think about renal. So kidneys are renal, and the adrenals are at or above the kidneys, okay? And the adrenals, what do they do? They help our body respond to stress by essentially activating the system for survival. So of course, their health and resiliency is of the absolute utmost importance for our nervous system and our blood sugar health too. The adrenals have two parts to them. The inside part makes catecholamines, which are kind of fast-acting adrenal hormones, and the outside part produces aldosterone, which regulates our water balance, and cortisol, which is our long-term stress hormone, and then also some sex hormones. So I know this is lots of mumbo-jumbo, but it will all make sense in a moment, I promise. So how does the stress response work? You need to understand all the players that are involved before you can even think about what the stress response means. So that ACTH, that adrenocorticotropic hormone, is a pituitary hormone that tells the adrenals, okay, it's time to make cortisol, the brain recognized that there is a threat of some sort. So the first thing that happens is while the cortisol signal is being received to the adrenals, the other part of the adrenals reacts quickly and makes epinephrine and norepinephrine. They're called catecholamines. And so that works first and that puts the system into high alert very quickly. Then ACTH reacts with the adrenals to cause cortisol production, which then helps the system sustain activation. So catecholamines are like an immediate quick hit of energy, and cortisol maintains the stress response for as long as necessary, sometimes too long. (laughs) So thinking about our catecholamines, we have epinephrine. That is what we know of commonly as adrenaline, like all the adrenaline junkies know, right? It's a hormone produced by the adrenals after the nervous system senses stress whether it's internal or external. And it prepares that fight or flight response, that sympathetic nervous system activation where your whole body feels essentially on edge. So your pulse rate increases, your breathing gets quicker, you're sweating, you're activated and wanting to run, feeling anxious. The other catecholamine is norepinephrine. 
That actually increases the blood pressure by constricting blood vessels. An increased blood pressure would allow you to run and get away faster from, let's say, a tiger or a bear. Or so, a dog. So like yes. this is what I'm like when or I'm walking and I hear a dog like, <laughs> rah, 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 like this is what I'm feeling like coursing through my body, right? Right. Like, this is your immediate like, oh, whoa, I don't feel so hot. Or you get on the phone and you hear bad news. You immediately feel this coursing adrenaline through your veins. That's what the catecholamines do. So catecholamines are basically like, they're, they're essentially not very helpful to long-term health. They're kind of a quick flare. So think of them like kindling on a fire. You know, they're helpful for the moment, but they're not going to keep the fire burning. They're not going to sustain it necessarily. And so, you know, in today's day and age, we don't have lots of quick adrenaline hits. We have lots of long-term sustained chronic stress levels that really just exceed what our bodies are naturally able to cope with. So our catecholamines were meant to be that first thing because cortisol takes a little while to make. Cortisol's got to cook for a second. The catecholamines are supposed to help us survive until the cortisol can kick in. And they are still doing their job, but oftentimes cortisol production um, can get a little out of hand. So cortisol is the steroid hormone. Remember, that's released from the outside part of the adrenals where the catecholamines are from the inside part. So cortisol is a separate part of the adrenals, so it takes longer. It's a steroid hormone that's released when stress levels are high or blood sugar levels are too low because the body goes, "Uh uh-oh, we need some sugar. I'm going to raise your activation so you can go find some sugar. It's released more slowly over a period of minutes versus a few seconds in the case of catecholamines. And it helps us to sustain activation in the face of more prolonged stressors by increasing the fuel available to the heart and the skeletal muscles. So it is putting us into a catabolic state. What does it do? It actually stimulates the breakdown of body fat. It breaks down stored sugar or glycogen in the liver, and it actually stimulates gluconeogenesis, which is production of sugar from dietary protein. So because cortisol is a survival hormone, it is trying to help us with survival by activating us to get more fuel, essentially, which I think is fascinating. And again, this is not always helpful. You don't always want to be in a catabolic state. In many ways, we want to be in an anabolic state. We want to be able to build muscle and to heal and repair. And if you're constantly in cortisol mode, you are never going to get that good anabolic support. So cortisol has a basically has a rhythm throughout the day. It should be highest about 30 minutes after we wake up and drop throughout the day. This is called the cortisol awakening response. Or you can call it a car, (laughs) first part of my name. And what it does is it helps us to mobilize and get our day started. And just like I said before, cortisol is not always a bad thing. I mean, if I'm being chased by a tiger or a bear or a dog, I want cortisol in my veins because I want to be able to escape it. But we don't want cortisol that is chronically high or cortisol that is chronically low. So when cortisol is too low, it can cause fatigue. It can impair our healing response. It will just make us feel very unwell. Our blood pressure can be low. We also don't want it to be too high because that can cause blood sugar dysregulation because your body's freeing up so much glycogen. Metabolic syndrome and abdominal weight gain is also very common with cortisol. 
And I see this often when somebody is super stressed and they may be over-exercising or just doing too much in that department, under-eating, they will actually gain weight in their belly, specifically more towards the upper belly or even a little bit lower. And that is a cortisol stress tire, essentially. Mm-hmm. I got me, got me one of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yep. I know. It's always when you least expect it. You're like, oh, good. I know that I'm stressed because... I have a little extra belly fat. And the ironic thing is the way that the culture tells us to get rid of these things is to just diet and exercise harder. When if you are overly high cortisol, it's just going to make that worse. Yep, that's exactly right. And I want to go back real quick to what you were saying about the the CAR, the cortisol awakening Mm -hmm. response. Um, Just, yeah, like we need cortisol. You want to wake up and have some energy? you got to have cortisol. Um, Mm -hmm. in the morning, that's got to be working. And I love that's one thing I love about the Dutch test is that they have that cortisol awakening response, Mm -hmm. the car option where you can have that tested. So I do, I do love their test for that. And I recommend clients if they're going to go for it and pay the big bucks to get the Dutch test. I'm like, I know it's more, but I would add on the car. So I would, I agree. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's worth it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because think, well, think about all the people that can barely speak until they drink their coffee in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's all about balance. You don't want to be too high cortisol in the morning. You're going to be like bouncing off the walls and so agitated and anxious. But if you're too low cortisol, you're going to feel like you are in the morning. And that's just not good either. So it's just this, this very fine line of a balance. And I think, I mean, the more that you depend on caffeine in the morning, the worse your car gets naturally because your body's like, why am I going to make cortisol? She's already making us make it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. So the big thing here is really looking at circadian rhythm. Like I think the biggest thing that's helped my cortisol in the morning is just getting that sunrise exposure and then getting outside in the morning before I start working. I think those two things are huge for me. I don't know if you feel the same, Chels. Oh, absolutely. Um, And I've had a lot of people in the – in the club and in the school too, like when they started doing this, I mean, it just seems so uh, simple. <laughs> I feel like we talk about this all the time, but I just, I feel like I have to convince people because they're like, really, does that really work? But yeah, it really <laughs> does. It really does. Just go outside. I know. And that's the way God made it. It's just, he did not make our healing inaccessible. And one of the best ways you can regulate your cortisol is to step outside and get the light into your environment and, you know, the right light. Get that into your eyes, and it will really help start regulating that cortisol. Yep. I mean, I think we we just overcomplicate these things so much. Like, I, we think if somehow if we're a vampire and we just stay inside all day, and then we're, we go on vacation at the beach, we're magically not going to burn and that our eyes are going to tolerate the sun. But that's just not the way that our bodies were designed. They were designed for for kind of continual on and off, like intermittent exposure to sun and to mm-hmm. light. Exactly. And so – even this is so important for cortisol. So if somebody's, you know, really low cortisol in the morning, that is the first thing I suggest is I'm like, okay, well then get up and move your body a little bit, go for a walk outside, like do your devotional outside, um, get your feet on the earth and go for a walk, even if it's five or 10 minutes, right? Does not have to be anything crazy. And you'll be surprised at the, the change that can make in your body. You know, no adrenal supplements required for that either. I know. Love that. It's full free. <laughs> that's the way God rolls. <laughs> I know. I know. So we were just talking about kind of some principles we've been teaching through the school. And one of them has just continually been that 
the creator of our bodies has already made everything we need to heal. It's just a matter of us accessing it, reaching out and and taking it for ourselves, right? Accepting what he's already provided like, and just using it because he's given us all these free healing tools. Amen. It's pretty amazing stuff. We'll go back to nerd town now, but I feel like that was important, you know, talking about the car because, you know, we're, it should be, cortisol should be highest 30 minutes after wake and drop throughout the day. So what happens when that gets dysregulated, right? So I want to talk about Dr. Hans Selye. He is—he was an internationally renowned medical researcher from about the 1930s to the 70s. And he coined the concept of what's called the General Adaptation Syndrome, or GAS, otherwise known as the stress response. So he kind of talked about there being three stages. And I'm sure you guys can kind of imagine in your body what these feel like. And we'll give examples, of course. The first stage is the alarm stage. So upon perceiving a stressor, the body reacts with a fight or flight response and the sympathetic nervous system is stimulated because the body's resources get mobilized to meet that threat or danger. So again, puppy, dogs chasing you, (laughs) your body upregulates itself to get away from the threat. Okay, so that's the first stage of the GIS. That's not bad. That's good for our survival, right? We don't want to be don't want to be gotten by a, a tiger or a bear. The second stage is resistance. So if the stressor remains, think about the way that our stressors have changed over time. So back in the day, we had a lot more really severe life threat and maybe not as much ongoing um, simmering stress as we do now. So we normally would kind of go to the alarm stage and then come back. But if the stress remains, alarm and then go back to regular balance. So if the stress remained, the body will then resist the effects of stress. It will compensate. So the parasympathetic nervous system will kick in, attempting to return physiologic functions to normal levels while the body remains on alert. So the alert's still there, but the body's like, okay, well, we can't be We can't be burning through all of our fuel at once. We have to kind of conserve a little bit. So that's when you can kind of develop some insomnia, some sleep issues, can feel anxious, can feel irritable. And then let's say this goes on for three to six months and beyond. If the stressor or stressors continue beyond the body's capacity to respond to them, the resources become exhausted. Think of it like the gas tank is totally empty and the body is susceptible to disease. So this is what is commonly known as adrenal fatigue. That is not necessarily a term that is completely accurate, although it does describe the symptoms of it. So the body essentially just loses the ability to adapt. So it's burned out from stress. So cortisol levels will be low instead of high now. Um, You'll have low, you know, catecholamines like epinephrine and norepi, low DHEA, so all the sex hormones will become lowered severe fatigue, allergies, inability to sleep through the night, and salt cravings and sweet cravings too. Those are huge. So adrenal fatigue is not necessarily the right term, but those are some of the symptoms that are associated with a fatigued HPA axis or a dysfunctional HPA axis. Yeah. So we say I blew my adrenals out. That's what we're talking about right there. We may or may not be at the stage three. (laughs) Stage three. I, you know, I just want to hammer home again to everybody that this precedes our reproductive organ Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, demise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And also, if we're thinking about women, I know a lot of women in perimenopause and menopause are, you know, listening. Um, This does not help the situation either. You know, when we're in perimenopause, like I am Mm -hmm. right now, and that's why I'm like, I have all these curveballs happening at my body at one time. Like (laughs) being in perimenopause, your hormones are already like or up and down. And then all this stress is just just like clobbering onto that, making things so much worse. Um, And so this is something we need to pay attention to. And it you know, we always have to think about these things in like the order of operations. They all work together, but order of operations. You want to address your, you know, your estrogen and your testosterone um, and your progesterone. You have got to look at your adrenals. Yeah. So I just want to hammer that home. Okay, everybody? Okay. <laughs> and you could do all the hormone therapies in the world and it still wouldn't work if your adrenals are blown out. So understanding this will also help you not waste a bunch of money on supplements or anything like that that might not might not might not be necessary right exactly so again because so i'm gonna go back to what chelsea said for a moment the perimenopause thing is that because in menopause what's happening is that the ovaries basically decide to retire <laughs> in in women at least right so basically okay so you get a signal from brain to ovaries it says ovaries do your thing and the ovaries at some point are like we've been doing this for too long we're done right so the ovaries stop making estrogen and then that you stop ovulating which means you don't make progesterone okay so then the adrenals have to take over production but everyone's adrenals are just so dang busy doing the rest of this stuff like managing just regular stress that they're already overtaxed and then you add on the whole oh now you have to make some extra sex hormones and they just basically throw their hands up um and really it's because the stresses on our bodies are so out of proportion to the way that our bodies were designed to heal to 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 live with essentially so let's talk about what stress is i feel like stress gets thrown around so much chelsea i'm sure you feel this very very much that with clients they're like oh i'm Mm -hmm. stressed and or you ask them about their stress and it's almost like an immediate, I don't want to talk about that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. There, and there's so many ways to be stressed. So yeah, I think we need to kind of go over that. Oh, for sure. For sure. So stress is, okay, so all that stress is, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think in my mind too, I'm always like, well, stress must be bad, right? But all that stress is, is just any condition that challenges the balance or homeostasis of a cell or an organism. So it's not inherently harmful. It could be from something external or something internal, right? So internal, like biochemical stress could be a hormone imbalance, Actually, because the stress that caused the hormone imbalance might actually create the stress in the body of having the hormone imbalance, right? So the external stress is like work stress, family, relationships. Internal is biochemical. So things like your gut bacteria being out of whack or your hormones being imbalanced, right? So these things are not inherently harmful. It's how our body responds. There's also two types of stress that we can think about when we talk about external stressors. There's eustress, that's positive stress, or hormetic stress. All that is, those are things that when your body is applied, when those things are applied to our body, so things like exercising, fasting, taking supplements, things might get a little bit worse before they get better because we're trying to apply a change, a stimulus for change to our body and waiting for the body to respond. At the same time, you have distress, which is the, quote, negative stress. So that's things like grief or job loss. Things like that are going to 
be more harmful to our stress bucket. But regardless of what stressors your body's experiencing, your body's not thinking, oh, this stressor is a good thing. Like I'm getting like a, a new house or whatever the right thing might be. All it feels is the overall burden of every stress, whether it's a you stress, a positive life stress, distress, a negative stress, an internal stressor, your body feels it all at the same magnitude. Um, we just experience feelings of stress when the amount or magnitude of each stressor combined exceeds our body's ability to respond adequately to them. That is huge. doesn't matter how many, what kind of stresses they are, the more stresses you have and the higher the magnitude, the worse your body is going to feel. So it could be really good stuff happening in your life, but a lot of changes, your body still feels that as stress. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why you've got to, you've got to manage your stressors, like, you know, be aware of the, of those hormetic stressors that we talk about, you know, and that's why we say, I mean, is fasting a good idea for everyone at every time? Well, I mean, we need to think about that, you know, right. is being, is this the time in your life to run a marathon? Well, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Or, or just long-term fasting or just a very extreme diet versus just watching your carbs, right? There's all sorts of levels of magnitude. And I think we're kind of part of this very type A culture where we want our results right now. And so it can be very tempting when life is full and crazy and hectic and chaotic to then apply extra stressors to it when that's really not necessary. You know, it's not the glamorous answer, but it could just be as simple as reducing your carbs and getting some sun in your eyes in the morning. Like that could be it, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So let's talk about what governs our ability to manage the stress? So we have this concept called metabolic resilience. Resilience is our stress wallet. It is defined as the immediate capacity of our body to respond to changes in physiologic need or to stress, just to put it more simply. Whereas metabolic reserve is like our stress bank account. So that's more of the long-term capacity of the body to withstand stress. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live off of what's in my wallet. <laughs> I want to live off of what's in my bank account and be able to make sure that I'm making enough deposits into my bank account that exceed the amount of withdrawals that are coming out. And if withdrawals exceed deposits from that metabolic reserve for too long, the metabolic reserve becomes depleted and that is a very common cause of HPA axis dysfunction. So got to balance. I feel like it makes more sense when you talk about bank accounts. People are like, oh, I get it, right? So because if you're withdrawing too much, you're not depositing enough, you know what's going to happen. You're going to have a net negative balance. Yeah, I love that analogy, and it does make a lot of sense. And people don't – it's kind of like in real, like in the bank account life. Like people are taking out all the money all the time and not putting enough into the bank. So we, you know, think about – I love thinking about how you can make – um, deposits, you know, metabolic deposits in your life, good deposits that counteract all of this um, stress we have going on. Absolutely. So if you don't do that, if you don't care for your metabolic metabolic bank account, metabolic reserve, what happens, right? So that's when you get HPA axis dysfunction. That is the true name for what used to be known as, quote, adrenal fatigue. Adrenal fatigue is a concept that was created by Dr. James Wilson. It was very common in the functional medicine space about 10, 15 years ago to be very vocal about adrenal fatigue. 
Um, what that theory espouses is that low cortisol results from a long period of stress, which is not always the case when you look at cortisol levels. So we now know that we can actually maintain the resistance stage for a long period of time and may not progress to true exhaustion with low stress hormones. So Chelsea, maybe we should get our adrenals tested. <laughs> it's not necessarily a dichotomy. It's not that your adrenals are always going to have low cortisol and that's the problem. It could be that they're too high or too low in cortisol. Yeah, that's another thing I love about the Dutch and how it really gives you all that good information about that. Absolutely. But we're going to talk about like symptoms and things to know kind of where you are. So I'm not Absolutely. saying everybody has to run out and get a Dutch test. Or, I mean, you can get a good idea about, you know, kind of what's going on. Just Oh, for sure. Your for body sure. will tell you. So we'll talk so, about that. Exactly. Exactly. So I will say just some general signs and symptoms of HPA axis dysfunction. Then we'll talk about what some more like low adrenal symptoms are versus high adrenal. So one thing could be circadian rhythm dysregulation where you're really wired and you're ready to work and wide awake at night, can't sleep, and then you're exhausted during the day. <laughs> That's a classic one. Um, fatigue could be symptomatic of either type, but usually more so on the low cortisol side. The salty and sweet food cravings, again, could be either, but tends to be on the lower adrenal side, like the low cortisol kind of exhaustion stage of that, of that GAS. Um, weight gain and metabolic dysfunction tends to be more on the high cortisol side um, and then goes into staying with that low cortisol. When you get low cortisol, it's not like all the weight gain magically goes away. <laughs> it tends to stick around. Um, also brain fog, difficulty with memory and recall, chronically low blood pressure because the adrenals also regulate water balance and inability to tolerate sunlight in the eyes, which is ironic because one of the ways to fix this is some good sunlight. Yes, I, I I think this this is one of the things that fascinates me so much because there are so many people when you say you need to get more sun in the eye, they're like, I can't, like, I you know, I squint, like, I can't deal with the sun in my eye. Well, this is one reason is that your HPA axis is um, off. And so what I suggest to people is to, you know, really expose your, your eyes to the morning sun when it's softer, when it's gentler. I'm not saying, like, go out and stand at noon and, like... <laughs> Open like if the sun lets your eye, you know, it, yeah, that's going to be tough, you know. Um, I have it's been fascinating how I actually just wore my sunglasses for the first time in like I don't know, they've been sitting in my car for like three or four months, but we were at a funeral and it was like right in the middle of the day outside and I had to I had to put them on, but um, but I can tolerate light in my eyes so much better now mm -hmm. than I used to because, you know, because of this. And also I think people, I mean, there are true, you know, people that really cannot tolerate it, but a lot of us just throw our sunglasses on just because we're out of habit and it's not that they can't mm -hmm. tolerate it. So I would say that, but the more you, you know, kind of start really softly exposing your eyes to the early morning light, maybe the sunset light and build up that tolerance. And then, you know, working on your um, your HPA axis, your adrenals, your stress, then you will be able to tolerate the light so much better. Absolutely. I mean, and just thinking about other causes of this, I mean, I, again, like I think it's habitual too that people are using their sunglasses, but some people really do feel like they're, they're, they can't tolerate the sun. And if that's not working, then maybe like using some adrenal cocktails or vitamin C, things like that to improve your adrenal reserve as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said about, you know, um, supporting your adrenal function to say so you can tolerate the eyes, but also um, just making that connection. When I know when we first learned that um, so long ago, I, I just was fascinated by that connection. I know it's kind of amazing. 
Well, and it's just part of our culture is like all these things that we do that are that are so um, culturally ingrained that are not helpful to our health. And when you add them all up, it adds up to some not so good health on a cultural level, right? Yep. Yep. So speaking of things that are caused by, you know, modern society, that one of the biggest causes of adrenal fatigue is mitochondrial dysfunction. So what are the mitochondria? I feel like this is the, one of those things that, again, is tossed around and not really explained. So the mitochondria are teeny tiny organs. They're like organelles. They're tiny organs in our body that make our body's energy currency, our ATP. So that's like our cellular money. So ATP is needed to basically fuel every single cell in our body. So of course that impacts our hormones, our adrenals, our nutrient absorption, our nutrient utilization, our brain working, our heart working, all those sorts of things. And so if the adrenals um, are not feeling so hot, the mitochondrial dysfunction might actually be a huge part of it too. Um, Because mitochondria are where the process of synthesizing adrenal hormones begins. Um, cholesterol gets converted. Cholesterol, did you hear that? Cholesterol is important, right? <laughs> cholesterol is converted to pregnenolone, which then creates a range of hormones, DHEA, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol. So because of this, if mitochondria aren't functioning as they should, adrenal hormone production is reduced and can become imbalanced. And then you progress through the stages of adrenal fatigue. So with mitochondrial dysfunction, it is so, so, so important to understand how this impacts us. So if you have a metabolic bank account and there's not enough money to go into it, like you might just have a smaller reserve or a smaller bank account than you need to sustain the stressors that you have in your life. So it's a matter of kind of welling up that bank account, really just shoring it up as much as possible so that you have enough money in that metabolic bank account to withstand the stresses of your life. Yeah. I um I love to talk about the mitochondria um <laughs> because again like if you're we you know we think about our cells we think about our organs if the cells in your organs don't have the energy to go that organ ain't going to work or the gland so with your adrenal glands if your mitochondria are not working in there it cannot crank out the hormones it can't do what it's supposed to do so this is one of those very overlooked um, problems. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about that here all the time. Like, how do we help our mitochondria? What do our mitochondria need to make energy, to make ATP? Mm-hmm. They need electrons, electrons. Um, <laughs> and so where can we get electrons? I, I sound like a, I feel like I sound like a broken record because I talk about this all the time. But I think I you're, just, so you just sound like a saleswoman for electrons. I know. I think it's, I, I think I, it's great. <laughs> I totally sound like a saleswoman for electrons, but um, they're free, so they, amen. Exactly. No affiliate. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I can't get an affiliate link. This is not mad. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're free when you go outside and get sun exposure on your skin. When you ground, you get electrons that help, like help your mitochondria perk up to make energy. Also, things like, um, you know, fasting used appropriately, Mm -hmm. um, exercise, um, some of these hormetic stressors, if they are a hormetic stressor for you, if they're not tipping your bucket over, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are um, helpful as well. Um, And so cold plunging, um, all of those things can be helpful for mitochondria. But the the main thing is really um, just getting outside more and getting the sun and getting the grounding. Absolutely. If only electrons 
were a supplement, everyone would buy it. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that would be great. That would be you great. Don't have but you have to buy it. It's free. No, I think it's great that it's not a supplement, but I think people want like a magic supplement answer and it's just not the case, right? So if we're going to talk about how do we fix this? Let's start there. I mean, I'm going to talk to you guys about how to reduce perceived stress and like mineral interventions and things like that, but start there and see what happens. I mean, what do you have to lose? Exactly. And also while we're talking about, you know, getting outside and such, um, you know, the, with cortisol and your car and all of these things, you know, just making sure that that sun input is going to be so important in the morning, but also at night, we don't want to expose ourselves to blue light at night mm-hmm. because what does that tell our body to do? It tells our body to make Wake up. <laughs> cortisol. It's like, it's like you're looking at screens is like being outside at noon. Um, but so much more horribly because the blue light from the screens is like straight up blue light. And so mm-hmm. it is telling your body like, oh, it's noon. So crank out more cortisol because it's we have to stay awake for many right. more hours. And then you can't go to sleep. And so that's another thing that really dysregulates your cortisol, puts a lot of pressure on your adrenals, um, sends all these mixed signals to your hypothalamus and pituitary. And so then we're just hot mess, Bill. So it, <laughs> You know, like the very, the very first thing to do is to really honor your circadian rhythm, you know, get your mitochondria working, get outside, get your sun, get your grounding and start there. Absolutely. Get your mitochondria right, yo. Yep. (laughs) So, okay. So thinking about that is the, is the basis. Uh, We have to think about, think about adrenals like that. We can also fix this issue by reducing perceived stress. And so I'm just going to give you guys a big list of stressors on the body and think of a couple things that might apply to you. You know, chronically low or high blood sugar or blood sugar spiking after meals. That includes excess carb load or insulin spikes, um, a high toxic burden. Let's say you're like using Glade plugins or got exposed to mold, having sleep deprivation or poor quality sleep. Um, excess fasting or excess eating, right? We have to have that in balance. Work or school tend to be triggers of chronic stress, stressful or traumatic events, whether past or present, past ones, because those things can still affect us if they have never been processed. Uh, Marriage, relationship stress, family obligations, exercising too much or too little, you know, living in this busy go 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 culture with no or little mental rest not taking a sabbath not having leisure time and most importantly not having quiet time with the lord that's really important and if you want to think about pouring from an empty cup and our adrenals as being a reflection of our cup status right what's the best way we can fill up our cup it's to go to our our source because we can get the water that comes from that comes from Jesus, we'll never thirst again, right? So if we can go back to our source and get and get filled up by Him, that is the spiritual equivalent of the adrenal refilling. Mm, I love that. I would also add to this um, doing your mind management work because mm-hmm. when we talk about stress, we talk about perceived stress. Like what mm-hmm. you know, even if there is. If you're sitting around worrying about a situation that hasn't even happened, um, <laughs> which we do all the, t- uh, all the who time. Who are you talking about, Chelsea? <laughs> 
we when we do that, our body reacts in the same way as it, if the situation were actually happening. Mm-hmm. That is the way that it works. And so we have to take captive those thoughts that are going to trigger this hormonal cascade in our mm-hmm. body. Um, and so I think that is like 50% of our stress yep. is, is the our mind and what we're perceiving as stress and the overwhelm we're feeling and all of these things. And so mind management, you know, we do self-coaching Christians to help mind management, but in some way you got to manage your mind. You have got to renew your mind. You've got to be aware of the thoughts that you're having that are physically affecting you. So that's really important too. Right. And choosing life in whatever situation that you're in. Um, I don't know. It's so interesting as Christians when someone's like, oh, you just seem so joyful. And it's like, well, it's obviously not me. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit working through me because your circumstances could be something that aren't inherently, you know, joy producing. But if you can, if you can manage your mind and your, and your, your heart and really attune yourself to the father, it's, amazing what you can accomplish in terms of reducing that perceived stress load, even if the circumstances that your life don't change. Exactly. Yep. It's all the way that we think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we can, yep, we can look at it through our God goals, G-O-D-G-G-L-E-S, <laughs> or um, just our worldly, you know, our worldly lens. And the way that you're looking at it is going to um, affect. That's why, you know, God is in the Bible tells us over and over, like, you know, be careful, like watch our minds, watch our thoughts, Mm -hmm. watch our tongues, watch our mouths, you know, watch our heart, like all of these things work together um, and produce, you know, these physical manifestations of the way that we're thinking and feeling. So super important. It is. It absolutely is. So let's talk about some other ways we can make deposits to build that metabolic reserve. So of course, circadian rhythm so getting some sun in our eyes in the morning um, getting out you know before 10 a.m is what I try to do and then again later in the day sleep um, getting eight to nine hours a night of sleep is optimal seven to eight is okay making time for rest and little breaks throughout the day um, and then avoiding blue light devices at night so just kind of that that natural rhythm then eating sufficient quantities of nutrient-dense food so we're not starving ourselves here. We're eating enough food, especially enough protein, and we're focusing on gentle movement, okay? So walking throughout the day, using our rebounder, doing some stretches, prayer walks, those sorts of things, and letting our additional exercise be a side dish, not a main course to our movement diet, okay? Also mineral balancing, taking electrolytes like Element or Ultima, things like that, right? So things that are going to build up our electrolyte store in the body because electrolytes are going to help us to have better mitochondrial function and really allow that electrical charge of the cells to work properly for giving electrons. Vitamin C and adrenal cocktails. It's not a real cocktail. (laughs) It's a mocktail. So essentially it's a mixture of vitamin C and carbohydrate, some salt, potassium, those sorts of things to help kind of shore up the adrenals. And we'll put a recipe in the show notes as well as a link to a couple adrenal cocktail uh, powder and tablet supplements. There's also adrenal recovery Um, from Organic Olivia or HPA Adapt from Integrative Therapeutics. Those are two great adrenal support herbals. 
And then if you need something that makes you sleepy at night, something like a phosphatidylserine or a cortisol manager in the evening um, can be supportive as well. Um, for overall nutrient support, some good beef liver, you know, nature's multivitamin. And then if you really need a hard hitter, I like um, a glandular product. So something with adrenal cortex actually in it. The cortex, remember, is the part that makes cortisol. So this will allow you to really rebuild the adrenals. One product is actually called Adrenal Rebuilder from Dr. James Wilson, and it is really potent. So if somebody's really down in the dumps with their cortisol and feeling really, really rough, that can be helpful. But again, I wouldn't do that without knowing your cortisol is low versus just thinking it's low. Yeah, those are ones I don't like to mess around with unless mm -mm. I'm really sure. I mean, that's the thing. You you don't want to go willy-nilly with, I mean, a lot of Anything. the things. Yeah, but the, some of the things you mentioned here, like electrolytes, pretty safe bet. I mean, in mm -hmm. most cases, you know, some maybe some vitamin C, some, you know, liver. Yep. Um, but you do want to be careful. You, you know, because sometimes those symptoms can look alike, whether you have mm -hmm. low cortisol or high cortisol. So... Um, definitely seek some um, professional support on that, whether it's mm -hmm. a, you know, uh, a, a nutritionist or your your favorite nurse practitioner or <laughs> <laughs> your Christian health practitioner. Um, we, yep, have, exactly. we have we have trained all of our Christian health practitioners to know how to handle this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty awesome. It is awesome. Um but speaking, just before we go back into that, I do love the phosphatidylserine, um, mm -hmm. especially it's so nourishing for the hypothalamus pituitary. It's just, it's just like nourishment food just to really help it's that like, HBA. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. butter on a nice slice of um, homemade bread or sourdough. Ooh, I, that's a great visual. I love buttering that. it all up. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what it's like. So you can take that at night, and that helps um, just kind of relax your brain, and you just go to sleep, and then it's just like smothering butter all over your hypothalamus and your pituitary. <laughs> I mean, I like smothering butter on pretty much anything. So let's just yeah, do it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so awesome. I would say start, I would say start with vitamin C, adrenal cocktails, electrolytes, beef liver, and then if, and all the lifestyle things. And then if it's still mm -hmm. not working, def some fosserine is huge. And then consider the herbals, the cortisol manager, the glandulars, but not unless you've been looked at or talked, talked to somebody that knows this stuff really well. Yep. I think that's great. And again, like you said, starting with the circadian stuff, which is free, do not overlook the power of what that can do doing that, but also really minding your, um, your blue light exposure at night. That is that you could take all the things like all the supplements, but if you are staring at your screen, um, and getting that, you know, that hit of blue light for like three or four hours in the night, you, you're just, you know, working completely against all of those other things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, you really have to be mindful about that. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And I love that stuff. Like the Lord made our, all of our healing so accessible. You just have to, we have to use it and access it, like steward that gift well. Yes, ma'am. We sure do. All right. We covered a lot. That was so great. Um, great, helpful, useful information that people can apply today. 
Um, also a little peek into very little peek into what we <laughs> go over in the <laughs> Christian health practitioner program. Um, anything else you want to say before we go and we can tell people, um, about if they want to, you know, more information about joining the school and such, but is there anything else that you wanted to add before we do that? Mm, I don't think there's anything else other than if you are at all curious about the the program, make sure that you join us for the calls and all everything Chelsea's about to talk about, the information Zoom call and all that stuff. Um, honestly, teaching the school has been, I think, one of the best things Chelsea and I've ever done professionally because we've seen so much growth in our students. It's been so rewarding and it's just been beautiful to be like have a front row seat to um, just having an understanding or a framework of how God created our bodies, it's just been beautiful and amazing. And I love our breath module specifically. We talk about, of course, all of the breathing things like not breathing through your mouth, you know, sleep, all the sleep disordered breathing kind of stuff. We also talk about breath of metabolism, how our fat loss is impacted by our breathing. We talk about adrenals and thyroid, and we talk about our sex hormones, um, estrogen and testosterone and progesterone. Uh, we talk about a lot as well as the nervous system too. So it's just a really great comprehensive look at breath and how the Lord created us in that way. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, and I've mentioned it a few podcasts ago, but we, um, I gave everybody a link to the breath Zoom call that we did in the Christian Health Club because one of our Christian health practitioners, Crystal, um, helped me teach the Genesis prescription this summer. And so when we we got to breath, um, that was a favorite in the Christian Health Club and it's a favorite in the um, Christian Health Practitioner program. And so if you want to go watch that video, it's kind of a great blending of showing you, you know, kind of what we learned, but also one of our Christian health practitioners in action. And um, she is teaching it. I let her teach it. Um, and she did a great job. And we kind of cover some of these things there too. So I will put the link in the show notes to watch that breath zoom. But also join us. Uh, we're going to have an information um, zoom call, a Q&A zoom on September the 13th. It's a Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Central. Um, and just for inviting anybody that's curious, um, thinks they're a little bit interested, if you have even the smallest interest and you think there's no way I could do something like this, please come to the call um, and just listen and, and ask questions. We have people mm -hmm. in the school that came just because they want to learn more for their families. Um, some people that are going to be um, going into this professionally to be Christian health practitioners, we have an array of students. And mm -hmm. so um, you definitely will will fit in um, somewhere on that spectrum, but come and ask your questions and learn more about it. Uh, we'll put the link to sign up for that and, and to get the Zoom link. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Yes, please join even if you're not sure if it's something that's a good fit for you because I know Chelsea and I, neither of us ever saw ourselves doing this and look at us now what are we doing <laughs> i know that's my favorite how do we make how do we make it here i'm not oh, sure why what the lord what the in the lord, world only the lord only the lord never in one million years thought i'd be doing anything like this so yes uh so come and be open um to the idea and then of course pray about it and just see where the lord takes you um but you never know unless you um, give it a whirl and just, you know, listen to the information. So we will see you there. And then um, registration opens on that day. Um, that's early bird registration. And so you get a little bit of a price break if you sign up early. 
and um, and then we will have enrollment open through um, the beginning of October and class starts on October the 2nd. So very exciting. It's coming up quick, quicker than um, it feels. It just feels like time is flying by. So mm-hmm. um, we will be winding down our first cohort, preparing the, to launch them out into the world and gearing up for cohort number two. And we're just so excited about it and um, just could not feel more blessed for the coming students that we're going to have. Okay. Anything else, Carly, before we leave? That's it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I so appreciate it. We love having you on um, so very much. And thank you for all of your good information. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.